I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today works for an organization that has won six Super Bowls and has built its foundation on family, values, and inclusion. The Pittsburgh Steelers, bought by Art Rooney, the chief, who then promoted his son Dan to run the organization and to hire Chuck Knoll. Dan also was instrumental in initiating the Rooney Rule, which was the first major attempt to help influence diversity hiring of head football coaches. He was succeeded by his son, Art, who is currently president. The Steelers have led the diversity initiative ever since they hired Bill Nunn, a black reporter in Pittsburgh, to be a scout. He was hired to go to the black colleges in the South and determine what players could help the Steelers win Super Bowls? Bill Nunn identified Joe Green, John Stallworth, and Donnie Shell, to name several. After the Super Bowl that Bill Carroll won, they had to make a decision when he retired. Were they going to promote Ken Wisenhunt, or were they going to hire a relatively unknown defensive coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings by the name of Mike Tomlin. Well, history shows us the Tomlin decision has been the right decision. Currently, Art Rooney and the Steelers were faced with who was going to be their next general manager. Art conducted a wide-ranging search, and he promoted an individual who has Honduras and Indian background. The first diversity GM that the Steelers have had. Our guest, Omar Khan. Welcome, friends. Our guest today has one of the most prestigious jobs in professional sports. Omar Khan has just been named general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers and works for the family that has had the greatest trajectory and influence in the sports world, the Rooney family. Omar, I appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Jed. It's a, it's a pleasure. Thanks for all you've done for me also. Let's talk about how does a young man whose father is from India, whose mother's from Honduras, who goes to Tulane and doesn't play college football, end up as the general manager of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers? What were the two or three key things that happened, do you think, on that journey that gave you this opportunity? Uh, obviously, the influence of my, my parents or hard work was uh, number one. One thing that, that comes to mind was when I was in college, I had a professor that preached to me the importance of networking. And at the time, this is before email and everything, he used to always preach about networking, whether it's you know in person at a conference or 
sending out letters, which is what I did. When I was when I was in college, I sent out a, a bunch of letters, hundreds of letters to uh, NFL general managers, personnel directors, pro scouts, college scouts, people at all levels. Not not asking for a job, but asking them for advice. And there was a I only got a response from maybe five percent of those letters, but there was a constant theme. Uh, in those letters, and that was that I needed to get some experience. So when I was at Tulane, I set up an appointment with the head coach. His name was Buddy Tevens at the time. He's now the head coach at Dartmouth. And uh, I said, hey, Coach Tevens, this is my goal. I'd like to be a general manager one day. You know, I wrote a bunch of letters, and people like George Young, Charlie Casserly, Bill Poley, and Ron Hughes, those were the, some of the guys that responded back to me, and they recommended I get experience here in college, so that's what I'm here to do. I'll do anything. You tell me whatever you need. and he said, absolutely, brought me in, had me do uh, uh, shoot video practice, uh, you know, obviously a lot of grunt work, whatever I had to do. And eventually the running back coach there, that was a uh, coach named Burton Burns, had me doing some cut ups and little some work like that. And while I was doing that, I kept networking with as many people as I could, especially everyone at the Saints. Uh, they were they were great and getting back to me. And after my junior year, I get a call from a, a gentleman named Chet Franklin who was the uh, VP, I think his title was VP of player personnel or um, assistant general manager. I'm not quite sure. And uh, he said, Hey, we have an internship position open and uh, scouting. You want to come and interview for it? I said, absolutely. And I was fortunate enough to get it. And that's where it started. You came through two reigns. You came in with one group and then they changed coaches and you had Mr. Benson was your owner. Mr. Bennett was my owner, and you know, fortunately, he he made sure I was able to stick around between the regime changes there. And you had Mike McCarthy as your head coach that you got close to. Well, he was the offensive coordinator actually. Jim Hazlitt was the head coach, okay. but I, I primarily worked with the offense with Mike, and uh, Mike really got Mike and I really got close. I can't explain how much he taught me about the game. I mean, he was a tremendous influence in my life. How does the Steeler opportunity happen? It's interesting. So when I was at the Saints, I came in as a in as, as a scouting intern, got hired as a you know player personnel assistant, and there was a gentleman named uh, Terry O'Neill. He had got hired. He had come over from TV to uh, be the, the the salary the contract negotiator, and I was a you know young person in the business, and he needed a, uh, a great deal of research done for the way he was doing things. He wanted a great deal of research done with respect to the CBA, uh, statistical uh, research. He was very analytical analytical so a lot of analytical strategies so eventually i just kind of ended up ended up falling under him for two years after my third year is when there was a, a turnover you know mike ditka was let go billy kuharik who's the general manager who's great great individual was great with me he was let go also uh they brought in a new a new uh regime which randy mueller was the general man was hired as a general manager and Jim Hazlitt is the head coach. Randy brought Mickey Loomis in. Mickey came in to oversee the cap and the uh, oversee and handle the contracts. You know, I had an opportunity to stay with Mickey and and Randy in the front office, but I went to Mr. Benson. I said, Mr. Benson, I just heard uh, Coach Hazlitt has an opportunity for an administrative uh, or a football a minute coaching assistant slash offensive assistant, and I'd like to go talk to him about the opportunity. And Mr. Benson, I remember Mr. Benson said to me, you know, Omar, I'm not, I'm not sure that's, that's right for you. You know, why do you want to do this? And I said, Mr. Benson, where I want to go in my career, I need the experience of understanding why coaches think the way they do. And he said, okay, go talk to Hazlitt, Coach Hazlitt. And I did. 
interview with him and Mike McCarthy, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. I got an unbelievable perspective. You know, I lived in, I lived day and night with those coaches and understood. Uh, I got a great perspective on how they think and why they think the way they do. Because you know, when you're on the front office side, you don't always understand why coaches are thinking the way they do, and it just gave me a great insight to it. So, how do you get to the Steelers? I got a phone call one day from um, someone at the Steelers saying, uh, "Hey, we've heard some good things about you from the league office, and they want us to uh, interview you. They recommended that we interview you for this position, uh, handling overseeing our our uh, contracts and salary cap, and uh, you'll be you'll be doing some." football operations you know everything we do here at the Steelers is about football but we want to interview and I interviewed and here I am today that was in uh my first day was I believe it was Valentine's Day 2001. One of the things you've done a tremendous job in your career is building relationships and the relationship that you had with the late Dan Rooney and mm-hmm. with Bill Cower for the coaching change talk about how you developed a relationship with them and how they trusted you the way they did. You know, it's it, that's that's a great question. It's it's interesting, but it it was almost from the very beginning. It's just we, I, I just felt like I clicked and I fit in, and it's it's hard for me to explain. But Dan Rooney and I had a great relationship. I mean, him and I hit it off from day one, and so did I did with Art Rooney also, and it it, it just been tremendous to me. I mean, same thing with Bill Cowher. You know, we, we get, we got a lot of trust. We gained a lot of trust in each other. Uh, They saw my high, my hard work and willingness, willingness. I think we all had the same goal of winning a championship and they saw, they saw in me early on that that's all I really wanted was to win at least a super, at least one Super Bowl championship. As you look at the environment you're in with, with the Steelers, talk about why the culture and values are so much different than most any other place in professional sports. I can't speak for everywhere else. I can only speak for us at the Steelers, but I know uh, here it's all about winning a championship and getting the right type of players and continuity. And they've built it, you know, way before me, they've built a championship program here, one that's been able to sustain success over time. And, you know, I, I think that's, that, that, that's what makes this place special. It's, it's all about winning a championship. But along those lines, it's about relationships. It's about the relationships, the players, the agents, the coaches. You know, as you mentioned, you've had a close relationship with the owner, with the head coach. So that all goes back to alignment. Talk about the importance of alignment, especially in the role you've just moved into. Well, I think alignment and trust is the other word. And the reason that's important is because, look, we're all going to have discussions right we're not always going to agree but when you trust and you have good alignment and you trust the individuals that you're working with uh you're confident that you're going to come to the right decision what's best for the organization for us you know we we're confident when there's a big decision we're all going to get in a room talk about it and we're going to make a Steelers decision and you can't that can't happen unless you have trust and people that are willing to work together and all have the same vision and goal a lot of people from the outside look at the general manager role and think about it as being it's it's about talent evaluation. And you and I have discussed often it's a much more complex role in terms of it's not just about talent. There's a bunch of different verticals that sit underneath what the general manager does. Help our audience understand the scope of what that role is that you've now taken on. Obviously, the talent, the procurement of talent is a very important piece of it, but there's other aspects of it. There's managing the cap 
forward, you know, you have to plan not only short term, but midterm and long term. You have to deal with the league office. Trust me, there are issues that come up on a weekly basis that nobody knows about that you have to deal with both internally and externally that affect your team. And it's managing the people, all the several, all the different departments, making sure they're all working together, uh, the hiring of good people or the right people. That's an important piece of this. It's it's a broad it's a broad scope. The job job entails a broad scope of responsibilities today. Talk about those different verticals, though. You you hit on a couple of them. You hit on talent, which gets into the scouting. Uh, you talked about the contracts. You talked about dealing with the league office. What are some of the other verticals that are really important? The impact of sports technology, things like GPS and new ways of um, predicting results, uh, analytics. You know, the the other thing is the impact of social media. That that's a huge part of this today. I mean, it's just it's around you twenty four seven. About the wellness side of things, the mental health, uh, the wellness, player development. How does that factor into your role? Uh, absolutely, I should have mentioned that also. The uh, the the wellness part is the mental and the physical. That's a huge part of this. When you think about as you work those areas yourself to be able to improve your player development and so forth. Are there any things that you're looking at that you think are state-of-the-art that's going on in, there in as it relates to player development and wellness? Well, I think number one is, I'm not going to divulge all my secrets, but I, I think having the right people that understand it under you is key. And that that's there, there's not a great deal of people that I would say are prepared to take on that role. Fortunately, I've, I think I've identified a couple uh, that I feel really good about. But the key is finding the right person to oversee all that, that understands it. And, and the one thing is you see it in other sports, you know, like the, the Premier League. The Premier League has done a great job when it comes to that area, in my opinion. I've done homework on what they've done in terms of developing their players, and they've really done a good job. So seeing what other leagues are doing is always important, in my opinion. Well, you mentioned that the Champions League game was on yesterday. And uh, when you watch it, it's not like watching an NFL game where there are commercials every two minutes. Yeah. They go for 45 minutes and there are no commercials. Yeah. All, those, Correct. all those players do is run. So when Correct. you talk about physical fitness and being in shape, uh, the, the, the people who play soccer, uh, European football, it's, uh, it's, a different, it's a different level of fitness. Right. So when you think about the NFL today, and trends that are happening. You know, let's let's talk first about you know how some players have tried to manage their contracts and work to get traded and the Russell Wilson scenario. I mean, you with the Steelers for the most part have been able to manage the people you've wanted to keep signed and not lose them. Uh, but when you look at uh, a Wilson what uh, Aaron Rodgers did to maximize his his contract and get paid more, and then you see what Brady does in in, um, in Tampa, and he's willing not to take a lot as much and and be able to give money to other players. How do you think player movement and the way they're leveraging themselves is affecting the NFL? You know, I can't speak for those specific situations. I know, on, from my standpoint, I think you just have to create an environment where guys, number one, don't want to leave, and some of that comes with some of the uh, amenities you're providing them or the way you're, you know, you obviously have to treat them well, but I think it, it's key to, uh, you know, make them feel at home. 
I think we do that here. And, you know, obviously the money is the important part of it. And, you know, I, I think we've been fair and we're going to continue to do that. And, you know, I think guys just have to feel at home. You know, I don't, I can't speak specifically to Russell or, or Tom. I mean, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of those, of that process. Well, when you think about trends in the league, what, what do you see happening on offense, defense, special teams? Any trends that you think are, are, are moving in, in that direction today with yeah. the National Football League? Well, I will say trends-wise, you, you see proportionally that the, the salaries increasing for quarterbacks isn't necessarily the same for every other position. And obviously, if you're paying the quarterbacks more than what the cap's growing by, that's going to impact other positions, and I think it it has. So, I, I mean, that's one piece in terms of what's happening. We're, in terms of offenses and defenses, what do you see happening with the offense and the defenses? Well, the, the offense, every year there's a greater pressure to score points. So I think that's, that's um, the way these offenses are designed. You know, offensively, it's, it's about scoring as many points as you can, and that obviously puts some pressure on your defense. And defensively, you know, you just – it's put a premium on those pass rushers because you got to get to those quarterbacks and those corners are also very important too. Well, you ended up making your um, your linebacker the highest paid defensive player in the league last year. Yes, he still is. I mean, to your point, and how important it is to have edge pass rushers. And he, he's he's one of those really elite players. And you know, when you have one of those, regardless of position. You got to take care of those guys. I mean, he's he's a tremendous player and person. So you mentioned about, uh, and it's happened in the NBA as well. In that, you know, there was a time when there were three players that would be paired together, uh, and then you'd fill in around them. But the way the salary cap and luxury taxes work is that, to your point, if you end up paying one player too much money, how do you balance the roster? And when you think about that's why draft picks are important because they have a certain contract value and you're able to maximize that and not have to extend them. Talk a little right. bit about how, how you, you balance that being a salary cap person, that plus the free agent market. From our standpoint, you know, I said this at my press conference was we're always going to build this to the draft. That's, that's important to us. And, you know, that, that, I think that allows us the best success long-term. The way I look at it is this. If there's a good player that deserves getting compensated, there's ways to, to, to make sure you can do that. And I think it's key to, you know, if you have a good player, not to let him out of your building. And, you know, feels, if he feels good about being here and you feel good about having him, you got to find a way to make it work. There's, there's always ways to make it work. So when you talk about building the offense, you talk about the quarterback, what are the other important positions from your standpoint that you've got to make sure you've got your really good players in? Without divulging too many, too much of my uh, philosophy, I'd say you know you always want to take, you always want to uh, get the guys that protect the quarterback and get the guys that get to the quarterback. So as you see, rule changes, the rule changes seem to always help the offense as it relates to scoring points, as it relates to how officials are calling the game, as it relates to pass interference, uh, the amount of holding penalties that are called on offense. What, what's your What's your sense of, of that trend? It is what it is. I mean, that's not going to change. You know, there's, it's, this is a, a point-driven league, and, you know, I, I, would, I would expect, and you probably coach, all these coaches are probably prepared for uh, adjusting because those, those type of changes are going to keep happening. What do you think makes 
uh, the Rooney family, starting with the chief who I had the opportunity to work with and Dan, so unique in terms of how they built this, this culture and this organization that has maintained three head football coaches in over 50 years, which is unheard of. I think it's just the way they, they, they treat people. It's, it's really amazing. I mean, we, our building is full of good people, you know, and, and this is a credit to the Rudys, but they treat us so, so great. I mean, they treat us like one of their own. I mean, I've never, I've never felt out of place. They, they just have a natural way of uh, making sure, you know, we all feel good about ourselves and, you know, they treat us really, really well. Well, it's been a pleasure through the years getting to know you, and I, I couldn't be happier for a person who I think really deserves this opportunity to be a general manager and who has really done a just a, an incredible job of building relationships and treating people in a genuine, sincere, honest way. So, Omar, it's been a pleasure uh, getting to know you and call you a friend and, and to say congratulations again on, uh, on the promotion. Thanks, Jed. appreciate everything. Thank you.